Amen. You may have a seat. Happy, happy, happy Sunday. It is good to be here with you, and it is good to sing praises to our King because, well, he's worthy. He is that great. Uh, we're also uh, thankful for his word. Uh, this scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, God's word helps us, teaches us how to live in this world. And so we're th so thankful for it. We're going to turn our attention to the word of God now. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you got your Bible, 1 Timothy 5. My name is Todd and I'm tickled and just uh, loving and enjoying getting to serve here on the pastor team. Uh, last Sunday, we took a break from this sermon series, Letters to My Son, and one of our elders, Sean Robertson, uh, brought a great message uh, reminding us, teaching us about the importance of remaining in Christ. We're so thankful for our elders here at Holland Chapel. Um, another one of them is, serves as the camp director at Family Farm Christian Summer Camp, and we saw in the baptism video earlier today uh, where several uh, children had said yes to following Jesus, and we celebrate that. Well, this week, we had a Holland Chapel group, HT Kids group, went out to Family Farm all week, and they heard all about loving Jesus, about following Jesus, and they had a blast. And I know of at least one young lady who gave her life to Christ. And so, uh, Daniel, we're thankful for Daniel's ministry through Family Farm and, and the impact that it has on our community here. Um, all right, uh, Luke, you were probably expecting to hear from Luke, uh, one of our pastors this morning, and he was scheduled to preach today, uh, but he's been battling illness all week, and then yesterday he's like, it is not going to happen. And so he shared his notes with me, and so I'm stepping in as we continue this series, Letters to My Son. Again, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And, uh, well, so we've been walking through uh, the New Testament book, 1 Timothy, and in chapter 4, we were most recently there, and we saw a warning against false teaching. And, and, and the big takeaway was, hey, as children of God, we need to be very aware of what we're allowing to have influence on our spiritual life. Now, the context of this is that Paul, uh, missionary, right, wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. Paul is writing a letter, a real letter, like we write letters today. He was writing a real letter to his son in the faith, uh, kind of mentor to mentee. He was writing a letter to Timothy, and like he wrote it out, and then a messenger took it and delivered it there. Now, Timothy was leading the church in Ephesus. We also have another New Testament book called Ephesians, and that was a letter that Paul wrote to the church there in the city of Ephesus. So Paul is writing this letter, and he's giving Timothy instruction and encouragement as he leads the church there in Ephesus that it might be a healthy church for the glory of God. Now, chapter 5, which is where we're at today, is where we see a shift in Paul's directive. For the most part in this letter, the scripture has been elevating right teaching and the standard of which the church should follow, doctrine. But now we see a shift from doctrine, what we believe, to doing, how we live. So doctrine to doing, belief to the action that that belief uh, translates into. So 
Paul's been hammering doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. And now he says, all right, this is what you know about the gospel. Now go live it out. And that's the first point as we get into the, the word of God is that right doctrine without action helps no one. I mean, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. I will say it again. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Right doctrine without action helps no one. Nada. Zero. Big goose egg. Uh, imagine this. You're in a locker room and coaches, they can draw up plays and talk about strategy all day. But at some point, it's game time. You got to get out on the field and you got to execute. James 2.17 says this. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is dead. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. From the lips of Jesus, in the Gospel of John, from the lips of Jesus, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Right, doctrine without action helps no one and can be just meaningless, pointless. Uh, we don't just come on Sunday and hear and sing about what we believe. No, 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 no. On Monday, we go live out our faith. And this is the tension that is most felt in our society today between believer and unbelievers. Christians talk but they don't walk and so those who do not have a relationship with God they might observe our lives they might see that we talk but we don't walk and they might call us hypocrites and sometimes they're right Paul knows this too so in chapter 4, he tells Timothy, keep a close eye on what you say and how you live. Why? Because people are watching, and we don't want to give them a reason to, to forget about the gospel, to disregard the gospel. We want to make God look good. We want to shine bright. All right. Uh, did you, On Military Road here in Benton, they're doing a lot of road work. I don't know if anybody's been up and down there, but... Did, did you see the big hole at the intersection on Military Road? Yeah, the police are looking into it. All right. So, intersection. That's the reason for that intersection. When our lives intersect with Jesus... In other words, when a person meets Jesus, he changes the direction they're going. He changes the way that they are living. Uh, the third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, four times four plus three, chapter 19. Luke 19, we read about a man whose life intersected with Jesus. Uh, you may, when you were a, a, a child, if, if you grew up around church, you may have sung a song about this man, uh, Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, he really wanted to meet Jesus. 
He had heard about this amazing teaching. He had heard about these wonderful miracles. And he said, I've got to see this guy. Jesus was coming through that area. Now, uh, Zacchaeus, he went and he positioned himself so that he would would get to, to, to lay eyes on this miracle worker, on this world changer. He positioned himself so he'd be able to see him. Jesus came through. And Zacchaeus didn't just see him. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And he said, hey, I want to come and spend some time with you. And so he went to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus' life intersected with Jesus, and it changed everything, right? Zacchaeus now, previously, he, in his line of profession, in his work, uh, he didn't have a lot of fans. He had a lot of enemies uh, because of what he did, and, 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 and he may have cheated some people out of quite a bit of money, and so he didn't have a lot of friends. He was looked down upon, but he met Jesus, and it changed the way he lived. He gave away half his possessions to the poor, and anyone that he had cheated, he paid them back times four. He met Jesus, and it changed the way he was living. I, I know a young man. He was 20 years old, on fire for Jesus, and he'd pray each day, Jesus, please shine bright in me. And, and, and let everyone that I come in contact with see you, experience you through me. So doctrine, moving to doing, faith being translated into action is huge. Eternity hangs in the balance. Our spiritually lost neighbors see us load up every Sunday morning and go to church. But if we fail to be good neighbors... What's that saying about the gospel? Uh, if we claim right doctrine, then that very doctrine's got to change the way we are living. And that's what Paul is addressing here in chapter 5. And he primarily looks at three groups and how you can honor God and, and put your, your belief to action in working with these three groups of people. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 the, the Word of God says, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. So the first group of people, widows. Widows are worthy of honor. That uh, translated, uh, that, that care, to take care of any widow, that can be translated to, to honor. So widows are worthy of honor. They're, they're worthy of our attention, of our respect, of our care. Uh, we read more in this letter, beginning in verse 5. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. Verse 8, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. So we're to care or to honor widows. And looking at a bigger picture, the most vulnerable, the people that are in our families, maybe in your individual family or in your church family or in your community, people who might need some help, might need some assistance. And it's not just the older generation. Sometimes it's the youngest generation 
that is left helpless, that we can step up and show God's love, a phrase I love to use, show God's love in a practical way too. James 1.27, you'll see it on the screen. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I want to keep that on the screen, and I want you to read that, please, out loud with me. On the count of two, we're all going to read that out loud together, if you will. Uh, One, two, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So there are real practical ways that we can show God's love to the vulnerable in our families, in our church family, in our community. Uh, One of those ways is just a ministry of presence. If someone is not able to to get out, if someone isn't chasing kids around, if someone isn't going to work every day, uh, then maybe they would enjoy just someone sitting and visiting with them. And so you could stop by and see that aunt of yours who needs someone to just come and have a cup of tea with her. Uh, uh, Sometimes if someone isn't isn't able to drive any longer, they may need a ride to the doctor or they might could use help from, some, from someone picking up groceries. And the primary responsibility for that is, is in like personal families, uh, but some people don't have family around to help them with that. And that's where your church family can step up uh, and, 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 and can be that. How can I be of assistance? How can I serve you? Practice the ministry of presence, just going and being there, uh, putting pause on your life for, for just a half hour or so and spending time with someone. So those are some real practical ways. And some of you are doing that. You're caring uh, for uh, maybe an elderly person in your family or in your church family or one of your neighbors. And I want to tell you this. Your church, we see you. We see you spreading seeds of grace. We see your good works and we praise our Father. And we thank God for you. And I also want to tell you that others, they see you too. And they see, this is something different here. This person's not living for themselves. Their doctrine is doing. Their faith is action. Folks, see that. Uh, The second uh, group Uh, that Paul addresses here are elders or church leaders. And so we'll continue reading in verse 17. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And, uh, well... Pause for just a, a moment. Uh, there was this fella, and he went to the butchers, and he asked if he had any oxtails. Sure, replied the, the butcher. Once upon a time, an ox... <laughs> that wasn't in Luke's notes. <laughs> I had to go through a whole lot of Laffy Taffy to come up with that. All right. Continue there in verse 18. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Verse 19, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. 
Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. So elders are worthy of honor. Your, your church leaders here at Holland Chapel, it's your, your pastor team and your elder team. Uh, don't, the big message here is, is don't take them for granted. Instead of being quick to criticize or to point a finger, you didn't do that well, or uh, you're the reason this isn't going great. In, instead of being quick to point the finger and to criticize, be quick to encourage. And here it talks about even compensation. And so some pastors and elders serve in that role as, as their like vocation, as their job. And just like folks who are in any job get paid for their work, well, in that case, those church leaders, they're worthy of compensation. And so don't begrudge, don't, uh, don't, don't be negligent in that area. That's okay. That's a good thing. Uh, and I will say that Holland Chapel, you guys are dynamite on this. As someone who serves uh, on your pastor team, and, and proof of that is that there's a few of us that have, that have come back from multiple stints here. Right, so so uh, we've served here on the Holland Chapel pastor team, and we've left and gone somewhere else, and we're like, man, I tell you what, they're all right at Holland Chapel. We're going to come back there, and so that's just evidence that you do obey God here, that your doctrine does have doing, that you uh, honor uh, your church leaders. So, uh, two thumbs up, good job. the The last group of people that we're going to look here. This morning that Paul addresses, we're actually moving over into the first couple of verses of chapter 6, but it's in this same section. And I just want to remind you, when Paul wrote this letter, he wasn't like, chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. No, he just wrote a letter. Like, it didn't have chapters and verses. Uh, we put those in there just to help find stuff in the Word of God. So uh, next section as it continues, chapter 6, verse 1. All slaves should... Show full respect for their masters so they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. So, in this we read... Slaves, masters, and just a quick note, and we're not going to get into detail here, but there are some similarities and some differences uh, when we read about slaves and masters here in, in this biblical context and what we think of as slavery today. There, there, there's some things that are similar. There's some things that are different. Also, what we can see uh, when we read about like, slaves and masters and work here in the scriptures in that context, there are some similarities to modern day, just the workforce, and employees, and employers, and, and, and that. And, and that's what we're going to give some attention to this morning. And so we would say the third point there is employers are worthy of honor. All right. What that means is that your faith should affect how you do your job and how you handle yourself at your job. Uh, your work, your nine-to-five uh, or whatever it is, your work can be a way that you worship God. You can worship through your work, and that can be beautiful and give glory to God, and we don't need to forget that. We don't need to separate our faith and our work life. 
that would be foolish to do that. Uh, they're not separate things. It's all together. Life with Jesus affects every area of our life, including our jobs. So when you're honoring your boss, which is what we're instructed to do here, when you're honoring your boss, you're honoring God. You're making God look good. You're letting that little light of yours shine bright for Jesus. Uh, the first book of the Bible is uh, Genesis. And in Genesis, we read uh, an account of a man named Joseph. And I love this story, true account, of, of Joseph. And in this, he was in a situation where he was a slave and he had a master, right? And he was, so it'd be like, you know, an employee who has a boss or a manager, uh, if we're thinking about it in our terms. So he was in this situation, and he was encouraged. He was tempted, highly persuaded, encouraged to cheat his boss. And he said, no, flat out. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not playing with it. I'm not going to gossip about it for a little bit. No. How could I cheat my boss and sin against God? You get that? Whoa! He equated dishonoring his boss with dishonoring God. He equated respecting his master with respecting God. He saw his life at work as a way that he worshiped, as a way that he lived for God. And that is huge. We don't Need to forget that. So how can we apply this? Well, at your job, there may be some tasks that they're not in your job description, uh, but you see it needs to get done. And instead of saying, not my problem, you could step up and go that extra mile, which as Christians, you know, we're instructed to do, all right? Uh, you have a coworker who is, is struggling uh, with a task, uh, you know, boom, they're just trying to stay afloat and they are swamped. You could step up and say, hey, how can I help you out with this for a little bit? And it'll be extra work on your part. Yes, it will, right? But you're doing it to honor God. And your, your, your doctrine has some doing. Your faith has some action. You have a boss or a manager or supervisor who, who kind of abuses their authority. Maybe, man, they let that temper uh, get a hold of them and they just they lash out at you or others. And you could be tempted to, go to, to gossip, to, to talk bad about them, to wish ill of them. Or you could say, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to keep my cool. This is an opportunity for me to really respect one, someone who maybe in that instance isn't, isn't deserving of it. But I'm going to do this for Jesus. And so those are some practical ways that you can honor your employers. Uh, those are some practical ways that you can worship through your work. All right. So this is, we're wrapping it up. This is the conclusion. What do we do with this? All right. If your life has intersected with Jesus, if you have met Jesus and you said, you know what, some point back in the past, I realized that Jesus died on the cross to pay the debt I, I owe. He died in my place. And I believe that he beat death for me and rose from the dead. And I gave my life to him. If you've met Jesus, then that changes the way that you live. That changes the way that you treat those who are vulnerable in your life. 
in your family, in your church family, in your community. It changes the way that you, you treat them. It changes the way you honor them. It changes the way you care for them. If you have met Jesus, then it, then it, then it changes the way you, you, you interact with others in this church family, including your church leaders. It, it changes the way you deal with work and you, you think about your bosses and your managers. It changes that. And so we've talked about some, some practical ways that you can live that out. Oh, and, and I'll just blow through a few more of those. Uh, it, it, you could be saying, you know what? Because I believe, I'm, I'm pretty certain as we've looked at this, as, as we've looked at 1 Timothy 5, I'm pretty certain that there's been something that you're like, you know what? I, I could do that. I need to go visit my aunt. I need to take time out of my schedule. I, need to, I, I could do it this afternoon. I need to stop by there and go visit her. She doesn't have anybody there. I need to go just talk with her. It will make her day. You may have been thinking that. Uh, you may think, you know what? I don't, I don't have anybody in my family that I need to care for. Uh, you know, <laughs> you need to care for everybody in your family. <laughs> but, 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 but maybe there's some in, our, in this church family. Because uh, it's a real thing. Like we have widows and widowers here at Holland Chapel. Uh, we have folks who could use a little extra help getting to the doctor sometimes in our church family. Yeah, that's right. Sitting here with us, among us right now. And so you may say, you know, I, I don't know that, but maybe I could talk to one of my pastors or, or my group leader and say, hey, can you let me know somebody that I could stop by and visit? Do you, could you let me know one of those widows that I could send a card to or, or that, I, that might need a ride to the doctor? Ask, ask, ask your group leader, ask one of the pastors. We'd love to, to, to connect you with someone that, that could use a little extra care. So maybe you thought, I could do that. Uh, m- maybe maybe uh, you, you, were th- you were thinking, uh, instead of getting mad at that church leader, at that pastor, I, I could you know, give them a little encouragement. Um, and I, I could thank God for them in, in my prayer time later today. Uh, you, you, could, you, could, you could do some of those practical things at work. Right? So all of that's going on. I'm pretty certain there's one that you're like, that is something. And so here's the challenge for you. What is one way, just one, not two, not three. What is one way this week, not next week, not next month. What is one thing, one thing that you can do this week to translate your faith from action. What is one thing you're going to do this week to take your doctrine and move it to doing? Think about that one thing. And then before you leave here, tell that person sitting beside you. Shoot a text to your group leader, somebody in your group, and say, hey, man, God convicted me of this. I'm going to do that this week. Hold me accountable to it. All right? All right? All right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good, and we are so thankful that your love is not just a word, but that you put it to action. That in, 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 while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, I pray and ask that you would strengthen my faith, that you would open my eyes up to ways that I can honor those around me, to ways that I can honor those who are most vulnerable in our community. God, open my eyes up to that. Open my eyes up to the ways that I can do good for you. Please, and help me. Help me to do it. God, I pray for my friends here this morning. 
strengthen their faith and let it be more than just something they sing about God, but strengthen their faith so that it, it transfers over into their hands and their feet and their faith has action. God, give them that one thing that they can do to honor you this week and help them to do it for your glory, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray, amen.